grace and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. As, as our brother plays, just, just think on the goodness and the glory of God, the creator of all things, who, who sits in unapproachable light, the Bible says, who is alone, eternal, immortal, invisible, to be praised above all forever and ever. This is the great God we serve. This is the God who made our DNA. This is the God who made every person on planet Earth in his image. This is the God who populates the heaven with stars at his word. This is the God we serve. My prayer for this time today has been that the Lord would expand your vision. And it's a twofold vision, you see. We need a vision of God and all that he is. He is good, he is merciful, he is gracious. He is holy. He is righteous. And he is a terror to hell. And he is a terror to, to people who rebel and choose sin. We must remember that. We must get that panoramic of God and all of his attributes. And we must get a vision of humanity. They're lost. We must see them like Jesus did as we look upon multitudes today, harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And yet at the same time, they're culpable. At the same time, they're choosing sin. At the same time, they're on a path of destruction. And I can't give you that vision. Father, in Jesus' name, give us a vision of your glory, of your majesty, of your righteousness, of your truth, of your power. Give us a vision of the, of the folks out there. Jesus went to the cross for them. Oh, my God. Jesus bled for each and every last one of them. Oh, God, help us to see it the way you see it. Yet, Lord, my fear, my concern is that we're looking upon too many other things. Lord, the psalmist prayed in Psalm 119, 37, Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. And I cannot help, in light of the, the current events of our day, in light of over 2 million people going to celebrate the Blackhawks in Chicago. If the people of God had that kind of zeal to, to fight poverty, if they had that kind of zeal to, 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 to build up families, if they had that kind of zeal to end abortion, if they had that kind of zeal to reach their neighbors. And Lord, the world is in us more than we realize. 
We're products of our culture more than we realize. Our eyes gaze on worthless things throughout the week and delight in them. And I want each of us, myself included, in our own heart, repent. Turn your eyes away from worthless things. And ask the Lord to turn your eyes to the worthy things. Give us a vision, Lord. Give us a vision, Lord. As we turn, God, from things that have absolutely no significance. Lord, if one soul, if one little kid out there prayed a prayer and gave his life to Jesus, there's more glory and significance in that than than all the Stanley Cups and all the NBA Finals in the whole universe. Oh, God. Let us get our priorities straight. Oh, God, we want to leave here changed. We don't want to be the same. Lord, I just pray for every individual in this room. God, as we're out there, as we're taking a time to to be filled with the Holy Ghost and to be equipped in, in, in the Word of God, as we're taking time to serve in the church and to serve a lost and dying world, as we're taking time just to expend, to be witnesses for Jesus. And for some of us, this is brand new. This is uncharted waters. And I, and I pray for them especially that we would never, ever be the same, that we will leave this day seeing the world, seeing you, seeing lost people, seeing our mission and our mandate individually and as a church in a whole new way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We can stay close to front and center here, but you can find your seats. Thank you, uh, Brother Ish and and Sister uh, Bertha. Brian, could you grab that uh, stand for me? Good morning, everybody. If you don't know me, my name is Pastor Jared. I lead up our evangelism teams uh, every Saturday, and I plan outreaches like the one we're having today. And just FYI, our team goes out every Saturday. We're now going for the rest of the summer to Humble Park, so it's not just going to be a one-day thing. And it was never intended to be a one-day thing. Like, we get excited for one day. Like, we got this conference. We got this speaker. No, this is to get you acclimated to a way of life that, that of being a witness for Jesus Christ. Amen? And witnessing is, a witnessing is not just something you do. A witness is who you are for Jesus. You testify to the deeds of the Lord in your own life. And you are that wherever you go, Jesus said, even to the ends of the earth. So this is to get you acclimated with that so that when you go back to work on Monday or when you hop on the train, uh, you will be you will have the motivation, if you will, the incentive to go out and reach uh, the people around you. You'll be equipped. You'll know how to do it, too. You're not just going to be like guessing like uh, Jesus loves you, I guess, you know, you're going to actually be capable 
of really leading someone to Christ, and you'll be confident in doing so. I believe that by the end of this day, that will be true of everyone here. I already know, uh, I know it's true of many already. I want to get right into my message. I have the Ten Commandments of Evangelism. This is a training on evangelism. It's not something that I, I got from the mountaintop you know, like Moses did when he got his Ten Commandments, but it's just a cool way to put ten points together. Amen? And I'm going to give you the first five, because I know I'm not going to have time for all ten, but the first five are like a cohesive unit, five practical lessons, the how-to of evangelism. So you will know what to say and know what to do when you are standing in front of somebody telling them the gospel. So let's get into these. The first commandment is, you shall put nothing before the gospel. You shall put nothing before the gospel. I made the wording of this commandment reminiscent of the commandment God gave Moses. You shall have no other gods before me. And why should we have no other gods before Yahweh, before the God of the Bible? Because there are no other gods. And there is no other gospel. Paul wrote to the church in Galatia and he says, I'm shocked that some of you are turning away to a different gospel that is no gospel at all. And so when we witness, there is one message that we are proclaiming. And I'm going to describe that in a moment. But let me submit to you that evangelism is indivisible from proclaiming the gospel. If you are not proclaiming the gospel message to somebody, you're not evangelizing. Simply put, you might be giving uh, ice cream to somebody on a hot day and and doing, in a sense, an act of charity or mercy. You might be giving someone the shirt off your back. But apart from proclamation of the gospel, it's not evangelism. It's good in its own right, but it's not the same thing as evangelism. Evangelism requires a verbal declaration of the gospel. Let me prove this. The Bible, the New Testament, was written in what language, folks? Come on, Bible scholars. What? The New Testament. Greek. And the Greek word for gospel, tell me if I'm pronouncing this right, brother. Evangelion? Evangelion. Evangelio. Amen. And that is where we get our word evangelism. Evangelio is is gospel. It's good news. And whenever you read gospel in the Bible, it's translated from that Greek word. So the the very meaning of evangelism is proclamation of the gospel. And whenever you see it in the Bible, it's it's in the context of preaching or testifying or witnessing. So the gospel is something we preach, that is declare, we testify to it, and, and what the gospel has been in our own lives, and we bear witness to it. Amen? And if we're not proclaiming the gospel, we're simply not evangelizing. And I find that a lot of churches and a lot of Christians will always come short of doing this. They will do everything else. They'll go out into their community and do anything else but preach the gospel, but actually go up to a stranger and say, can I talk to you about Jesus? They're not going to go there. And before I continue, let me just give you a quick definition of the gospel. If you 
you don't need to turn there, but if you're taking notes, Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and then verse 9, says that the gospel, it's God's gospel regarding his son. Or it's the gospel of his son, as it says in Romans 1, 9. So to put it simply, the gospel is a message about Jesus. We must talk about Jesus. We're not there to talk about other religious leaders or we're not there to like, you know, talk about Noah's Ark and and if there was really a flood, we must keep our message focused on Jesus Christ, that he is the only begotten son of God. There's no one like him. He's the he's the God man, God in the flesh. We may not have to go that in detail, but understand there's no one like Jesus. He's the only way. And what he did for us died for our sins and resurrected. How many of you have heard that since you were a little kid? We've all heard that. And the people that we're talking to today, they've heard that, but it's irrelevant to them, just like it was irrelevant to me. It was just something they, they said in Sunday school. And this Jesus, he's a white guy in a stained glass picture. But really, it, it had no bearing on my life. And what we need to do is we need to proclaim Jesus, who he is and what he has done in his death and resurrection in a way that impacts our hearers. In a way that our hearers understand they have to respond to this Jesus. They have to turn to this Jesus. They have to call on this Jesus. Amen? So it's taking the great Savior and connecting him with great sinners. Are you all with me? We must proclaim Jesus in such a way and that it brings folks to an ultimatum. That people understand that things are not okay the way they are. You cannot continue in sin for the wages of sin is death. You cannot continue to walk the path you're on because your path you're on is a path that leads to destruction. Many are on it. And we have to have people understand that the only way out of sin and death, the only way to escape destruction is through Jesus Christ. We have to bring them to that point. And so often pastors come short of that. They don't want to do it themselves. They are averse because of the social awkwardness of actually approaching somebody and talking to them about the Lord and actually calling them to live a changed life. How many have heard this? No religion and politics at the dinner table. Christians do not need to adhere to that, yet many do, right? And so they come short of that. They'll do anything else. They'll give away sweaters. They'll give away food. They'll do all these other things, but they will not talk to people about Jesus and the pastors will not actually teach and expect their congregations to do it but we don't have evangelism without it are y'all with me and I want to be very practical here when we are confronting people with the gospel we need to be very specific about their sins we need to be very specific and clear about their state that they're in. So many times when people finally do open their mouths about Jesus, the only thing they say is, well, Jesus loves you, right? Now, if that's all you said, then we're better off tying a sign to a pole that says Jesus loves you and leaving it up there for four hours, and you can stay home, and that will do your job for you. Y'all with me? Jesus loves you is is true, but it's not the gospel. It's like a half-truth. And and there needs to be more to it. They need to understand that Jesus loves you and he came to save you from your sin. So will you come to him and be saved from your sin? We come short when it comes to um, 
actually addressing those sins. Let me give you an example. If you see a couple that is not married, and you don't want to presume too much. You ask questions, but you don't want to just assume things about people. And, and you get the sense that, okay, they're not married, but they're living together. And you just, you're going to see this today. You're going to see folks that are in common law marriages. And they have kids, and they may have been together for a number of years. And there's no ring on the finger. And I just ask, hey, are you guys married? Just don't, don't assume. Just ask. Are you guys married? Just no. Uh, you guys living together, sleeping together? Oh, that gets awkward, right? Well, you know, the Bible says that that's fornication. And those who live that way will not inherit the kingdom of God. But Jesus can forgive you of that sin and save you from it. If you're willing to come to him today and we could go on, if you see someone drunk as a skunk, high as a kite. We're not just going to say Jesus loves you. We're going to be positive and encouraging. No, we have to bring them to that ultimatum. People have to understand something has to change. They must come to Jesus. It is not an option. It's not like, do you want Pepsi or Coke? Do you want fries with that? No, you need Jesus. It's not about what you want. It's about what you need. And so we must be very clear in in speaking in those terms. Let me say one more thing. To those who say, preach the gospel, use words when necessary. Let me tell you what the Bible says. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word. doesn't say do the interpretive dance, the human video for Jesus. And we're going to do that, but I consider all of that supplemental to evangelism. That when people stop watching your skit and they stop doing that, that someone's going to approach them and say, can I tell you the meaning of that skit? Can I tell you the meaning of that? Can I tell you how that will apply to your life? Y'all with me? Preach the word. doesn't say preach the Easter play or, or, or something like that. There is a verbal declaration. Well, what if the person's deaf? Write it on a piece of paper or pray for them to be healed of it. But the bottom line is, There is a message. We have to open our mouth. We have to use words. We have to enunciate. We don't evangelize without it. Words are necessary. The simple application is, whatever you do, don't call it evangelism unless you're preaching the gospel. There are a number of great things Christians could do, and they do it all over the world. Missionaries, they're digging wells in Africa. They're educating the uneducated. And how many know we can have clean water, full bellies, educated minds, solid government, and still perish? And so what do folks need? What's the first and greatest need? It's it's salvation through belief in the gospel. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. The second commandment, you shall be the initiator of the evangelistic conversation. I know that's a mouthful there, but what it means is you must be the one to go to the sinner. You're not waiting for the sinner to come to you. Because, again, those who use the 
preach the gospel, use words when necessary mantra, they will often say, well, I'm going to live a good life. How many know we should live a good life? How many know we should set a good example? That's awesome. But when it comes down to it, we're not waiting for unspiritual people to talk to us about spiritual things. You know, in the church, we replace the word sinner with seeker. And the Bible doesn't use that vocabulary. And I don't know a lot of people that are seeking. People who know you're Christian tend to avoid spiritual conversation like the plague. And yet we're over here. We're just waiting. We might say, well, I'm, I want to witness on my job without witnessing. As if that were possible. But you say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come early. I'm going to stay late. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to contribute. And you do that for 20 years without opening your mouth about the Lord. And finally, your boss asks you out to lunch. And uh, it's like the big moment. Like, finally, he's going to ask me about Jesus. Just think of how oxymoronic that is. He's going to ask me about Jesus. Don't I need to be asking him? But anywho, you're sitting down. All your hard work, this great example is paid off. And your boss says, man, there's something different about you. I really noticed that. Are you one of those vegetarians? And he missed it. He missed it. Never opened his mouth about Jesus. Never gave an indication, an express indication of, of who his God was. And so often the world will watch us and we're just going to nice them to death. And we're not going to preach the gospel to them as they perish. We must be the initiator of the evangelistic conversation. The Bible commands it. Romans 10, 13 through 15 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. See, we are the ones with the commandment from the Lord. Preach the gospel to all creation. Go into all the world. We're the ones with the Holy Spirit leading and empowering us to do this sort of thing. We're the ones with the burden because we understand they don't, but we understand that heaven and hell is at stake. And yet we're waiting for them to come to us. Now, obviously, today, we're going to be just going out there approaching folks, just nonstop. We will be initiating it, no question about that. But I'm talking about when you need to break the silence, when you're on the train and the person next to you, you, you just feel led to talk to them. To break that silence, you're not waiting for them. Like you're, you're hoping that the worship music in your headphones is loud enough that they ask you about it or something, you know. No, you have to do it. And when you're seeing maybe family that you don't see for a long time at, a, at Thanksgiving or something, you've got to bring that conversation up because it's, it's not their job, it's our job. I read to you Romans 10, 13 through 15. And that's a great verse. It's a verse that really qualifies the need for us to go and reach them. But sometimes we just take it out of context. But I find that in its context, it has a much richer meaning. What I mean is, when Paul was talking about 
those who need to hear the gospel. He was actually talking about Jewish people. And the thing about the Jewish people, as he says in the previous chapter, is that they had such a great spiritual heritage. They had so much going for them. They were given the law of God and the covenants of God. And their human, they had the human ancestry of the Messiah, of Jesus. They had so much knowledge, but no revelation. They had so much knowledge, but they can never in their own mind put two and two together. People are not going to come up with the gospel on their own. People are not just going to have an epiphany in the shower and be like, oh, I need salvation from Jesus. Because no one can invent the gospel, folks. It's God's message. It's from heaven. It's not of earth. And so the Jewish people, even when the Messiah came, even though they knew of the prophecies, even though they knew all the foreshadowing of the Old Testament, they still needed a preacher to break it down for them. They still needed someone to explain to them the meaning of those prophecies and the fulfillment in Jesus. And we read the unfolding of that in the book of Acts. And we're not going to turn here, but let me give you a little case study. Acts chapter 8, if you're taking notes, it's Acts 8, 26 through 40. This is the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And Philip is a deacon, amen, and he ain't deacon around. He's full of the Holy Ghost. He just started a revival in Samaria, and he cast out demons, and he preached the gospel, and many were saved, and many were baptized, and now he's on his way back, and he's just, he's just minding his own business. And the Holy Spirit says, walk up to that chariot you see on the road. And in that chariot is a man from Ethiopia. He's an official in the kingdom there. And he's went to Jerusalem for pilgrimage. He's a God-fearing man. He fears the God of Israel. He doesn't know the God of Israel, but he perceives him from a distance. So he does things like he goes to Jerusalem for Pentecost. And he happens to be reading the scroll of Isaiah. Now, you can buy a Bible nowadays for a couple bucks. But back in those days when scrolls were handwritten and printed on animal skins, they were very expensive and hard to come by. So a man reading a scroll of the Old Testament prophet, you understand, he obviously had a lot invested into this religion, a lot invested into researching the God of Israel. And yet when Philip walks up to him, he asks, what are you reading? What's it about? And the Ethiopian says, how can I know unless someone explains it to me? And he breaks it down. See, it's always been God's design to use human mediation to proclaim his word. Human mediation to extend the dominion of his kingdom. Even from the beginning, he said to man, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Angels could have probably done a better job, but he wanted human beings in his image and likeness to do that very thing. And he did it throughout the Bible and even Jesus because he was God, but he became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And then when God came at Pentecost, the spirit was poured out in Pentecost. It says he was poured out on all flesh. And so God was empowering his human mediators, his human preachers to declare his word. It's always been the pattern. We see in Acts chapter 9, Saul, when he was knocked off his high horse. And Jesus appeared to him in a vision and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Because he was a, he was a violent man. He was a religious terrorist, as we know the story. And he blinds him. But he doesn't finish the job there, does he? Who does he send to Saul in Damascus? What's the man's name? Anybody, any Bible scholars know it? No, no, no. 
Ananias, Ananias. So Jesus sends Ananias. He says, go finish the job. Go lay hands on him. Go declare my word to him. Go and restore to him his sight. See, he used a man to do it. Let me give you one more example. Acts chapter 10. So you have Acts 8, 9, and 10 for your reference there. It's the story of Cornelius, who is another God-fearing man. He's very pious, very religious. And an angel appears to him. But the angel doesn't preach the gospel to him, does he? Who preaches the gospel to him, folks? Peter. Peter preaches the gospel. A human being, flesh and blood, just like you and me. Everybody see that? People are so close, but so far, there are God-fearers out there. There are people out there whose hearts are ready for the gospel, but they're never going to get it on their own. Now, I don't want to discount when people receive dreams and visions of Jesus and they've never had a preacher preach to them. I don't want to discount when people say, man, I was just at the shower one day and Jesus rocked me and I love him. I certainly hope there was no preacher in the shower with him, right? I don't want to take that away. No, Jesus didn't really save you because there's no preacher to verify it. No, but, but that to me, that's the exception and not the rule. Like that happens and that's glorious. And God does that when people are not available. But we're making ourselves available, aren't we? And so we must go out and preach the gospel. The application here is simple. Be intentional about witnessing. Maybe a good prayer to pray in the morning is, Lord, use me to reach somebody today. Now, it can be legalistic, because I've heard of this one preacher who said, I'm not going to go to sleep any day until, uh, I, um, until I lead someone to Christ. And he'll stay up as long as it takes. And some people, they try to model that, and they get discouraged quick. But your prayer in the morning, as you go to work, as you go about your day, Lord, use me to reach someone today. Use me to seek someone out today to tell them about you. Amen. We must be intentional. We must seek them out. Number three, you shall reason and persuade when evangelizing. If you were to talk to somebody, and you're going to talk to a lot of people out there, and you ask them about Jesus, you ask them about how a person gets to heaven, and you're going to get a lot of answers, and a lot of them are not square with the Bible. You're going to hear like, yeah, Jesus was a good man, or Jesus was my yoga instructor or something like that. Just something unbiblical, something that's just off, right? Oh, how do we get to heaven? Well, you just be a good person and do your best. If you were to ask a Muslim that, they would say, you know, well, inshallah, I can't really know, but I'm going to try really hard by observance of these rites and rituals. And you're going to get a lot of answers. And what uh, I find we need to do is the art of apologetics. And it's not the art of saying I'm sorry. Amen. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer or a defense, an apologia, where we get apologetics. To everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So we must give a defense, and that's like a legal term. That's like what a lawyer does when he is defending his client on trial. He's using logic and evidence and reason to make his case. And similarly, in evangelism, you will be called upon to use logic and reason and present evidence to make your case. And that's something that we're going to do. And I find we want to use that in a very practical sense to build a bridge 
So somebody's over here like, yeah, Jesus was a good man, you know, and we get to heaven by just being good people and doing our best. That's that's ungodly. And you want to use reason and logic and evidence using the scripture primarily to build a bridge to help them understand Jesus is the Lord of all and salvation is only through him. You get me? Similarly, for the Muslim, Jesus was a prophet and salvation is through the pillars of Islam to build a bridge using reason and logic to a place where they understand Jesus is the son of God, salvation through faith in him. Everybody get me here. So there's a lot of there's as many different beliefs as there are people. And yet we have the same gospel for all of them. And that same gospel is sufficient to reach every last one of them. But we must build bridges. We must reason. We must get past some of the mental barriers. They were raised in such a way, Muslims, for example, that, that the Trinity, to say God is, is, is three in one is a stumbling block to them. To say that God came in the flesh as Jesus is a stumbling block to them. Or to say to your average, just liberal, everyday person that... Uh, you know, salvation is only through Jesus. That's a stumbling block. You get me? And so we need to build bridges to the gospel. I'm going to give these last points quickly in closing. Number four, you shall perform signs, wonders, miracles, and acts of compassion to accompany your message. Your words will be backed up with action. We're going to have a kid's tent today to serve families and let them know we love them and care about them, and it's not just talk. We're going to give out food today to anybody who wants and needs it to let them know that it's not just talk. Similarly, with signs, wonders, and miracles, these are two different areas of ministry, but they serve a similar purpose. They give a demonstration to the message that our God is a healer, that our God is greater than the devil, that our God forgives sin. And so when we pray for those who are sick, we pray in the name of Jesus to demonstrate his lordship and his healing efficacy through the cross. When we cast out demons, it's his, his lordship, his superiority, even over the powers of hell. And we break down strongholds through the gospel by doing so. Lastly, you shall disciple those who are saved through your witness. I'm glad to go to a church of discipleship. We're going to have contact cards. Pastor Berto and Griselda are going to make sure you all have them. First contact. I know in this digital age it may be a little outdated for you, but it, they're there if you need them. But we want, you, we want and encourage you to get information from people. Facebook, phone number, email, whatever works best to follow up with them, to invite them for coffee, to invite them to church, to let them know that you're still praying for them, to keep reminding them that Jesus loves them and has a plan for their life in the hopes that they will come to this church and they will be disciples and we will see their lives transformed in the long run. Amen. Let's, let us all stand. On that note, I want you to think of the people you're going to see today, not as strangers, but as friends you haven't met yet. As people, whatever they are today, wherever they are today, 
Imagine what the Lord can do in their lives. Imagine that a year from now, that person that's a stranger to you now, they've been walking with the Lord a whole year. And they've been going from glory to glory and strength to strength in that year. And they go through the seasons of life five years, ten years from now, fifteen years from now. We don't just lead someone in a prayer and then say, scram, go on, I'll see you in heaven. No, we say, come on, my brother, come on, my sister, welcome to the family of God. And we invite them, and we, we obviously do that in this church, 101, 201 discipleship, to help them be all they can be for the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. What a good word. We'll call that our morning devotional. We're going to give you about two more words this morning. Open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. How many of you have ever gone street witnessing before? If you've ever done this before, please raise your hands. Okay. Right. Now, those who have not, don't be embarrassed. But if you've never done this before, please raise your hands. Okay, this is good. We have about 10 to 15 new people here. This is awesome. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and onward. Brian, would you do me a favor and move that board kind of right here? Make sure that Tina can see it, and I know they'll be able to see it on this side. I want everybody to get out your Bible that you're going to be witnessing with. I want you to have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, what are you doing? You came to an outreach. <laughs> did you not remember what you were doing? No, I'm being serious. What did you come to do? If you didn't bring your Bible, what did you come to do? I don't want to embarrass some of these young people, but let's go get some Bibles for them, please. Let's get some of our ushers to get Bibles. If you don't have a Bible either on your phone or in your hand, you know, paper, would you raise your hands? Don't be embarrassed. Okay? Three young people, four young people, one not-so-young person. Okay, ushers, grab five Bibles, whether they're new or from the lost and found. We need them to have Bibles. It's very important that you have your Bible today. You should go get it. Yeah, wherever it is, you want to go get it. Your Bible. It's important. Now, do you have a th a something to write with? Piece of paper or pen or your phone. If you don't, raise your hand and a pen and paper will be provided for you. How many do not have a pen and paper or phone to record information with? Raise your hand. Ushers, quickly look. Okay. Uh, I'm going to designate Elliot to be an usher. We need about five to ten pieces of paper from our computer back there along with the pens in the office, and we'll be giving that to you as well. How many of you brought your bodies here this morning? Amen. I'm glad you brought your bodies. Amen. So those of you who did not bring your Bible or your pens and your paper or something to write with, don't feel bad. Let me give you guys some basic instructions of what we're going to be doing. This is the context that Jesus gave his church to build the church after he left. So this is disciples making disciples, the church building the church. Here are the instructions. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Who has all authority right now? Does the police have all the authority? Does the military have all the authority? Does just your mom, mom, pop, pa have all the authority? No, who has all the authority? 
Jesus. So we are doing this because of what Jesus said. If governments outlaw this, we still do it because this is what Jesus said. One of the most touching stories you'll ever hear about is these two beautiful young ladies from Iran who were going out preaching the gospel cart to cart, market store to market store, handing out over 20,000 Bibles until they got arrested. Tell me that's not an awesome story. These courageous young ladies did that. You can see it on the 700 Club. Just type in girls handing out Bibles in Iran. So Jesus has all the authority. Whether people change the rules or not, it doesn't matter. This is what we're supposed to do. Now, let me just say this as well. Whether churches do this or not, this is what we're supposed to do. Believe it or not, sometimes churches have problems with people going out doing this. They think the, the church should stay inside the church, and when we go outside the church, we shouldn't disturb the peace. We shouldn't go out and make a fuss and tell people about Jesus because that may give us a bad reputation. I've actually heard this from other Christians. They think that street evangelism, street ministry, is somehow against the peace of the community. That is not true. Is that what Jesus said? No, Jesus said, I have all the authority. So if people out there on the streets get upset with us, that is not our problem. That is their problem. And, and the Bible says if they hate us, it's because they hated him. Now, I just want to say this because we're a part of a radical church, and sometimes you can think if you like the Blackhawks, you're bad because everything's better than, Jesus is better than everything. Jesus is better than the Blackhawks, so if you like the Blackhawks, you're bad. And if you like food, you're bad because Jesus is better than food. I just want to tell you, I'm happy that the Blackhawks won, okay? I'm glad that our teams are winning, okay? I don't like losing teams like the Cubs. No, I'm just kidding. That's why I'm a Sox fan now. But anyways, it's okay. But here's the point. The point is that the city of Chicago celebrating the Blackhawks is in the flow of the world and the worldly system. And so when we stand for Christ, maybe everybody won't be as happy for us as they were for the Blackhawks. Do you guys get the difference? I'm not saying it's wrong to celebrate the Blackhawks. There's nothing wrong with 2 million people going down there to do that. That's wonderful. But I also think 2 million people should celebrate Jesus. Amen? So it's, it's not an either or. It's a both and. Okay, I, it's, it's like, do you want to be poor or do you want to be blessed? You know, or, or, you know, do you want to be rich or kicked in the teeth or something? No, or no, it's, do you want to be kicked in the teeth or persecuted? It's like, it, it's like um, I'm giving bad examples. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I got these examples in my mind. They will make sense. Do I want to be poor? No, no, no. Do I want to be rich or love Jesus? There we go. Do you want to be rich or do you want to love Jesus? I want both. I don't want either or, I want both and. Does that make sense? Okay, let me see if I can go. Do you want to go to church or go to a Blackhawks game? I want to do both. I want to be able to go to a Blackhawks game and go to church. Now, if they're both at the same time on Sunday, then I'm going to choose church. Are you guys with me? Okay. All authority belongs to Jesus. So when we're out there preaching the gospel, if they get mad at us, say, oh, you Christians or this and that, we're not responsible for that. They might have a history with another church that did them wrong. We're bearing the reproach, the shame, the upsetness, the attitude of people with Jesus for 2,000 years. You see, so they may judge you for no reason and then tell you not to judge them. But the bottom line is that doesn't change everything, anything. Everybody say, all authority belongs to Jesus. Now look what he says. Therefore, stay in your church and sing nice songs. Is that what he says? Therefore, just hang out in home Bible studies and make pancakes and breakfast together at Jerry's house or whatever they do over there, right? Therefore, go and what? 
Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the end of the age. So there's a going. Now, do you want to see this demonstrated? How many want to see this demonstrated? Do you want to see if the disciples got a good grade on what Jesus said? Because after this, he ascended to heaven, right? So the disciples could have said, oh, well, Jesus told us to do that, but we're just going to make a big cathedral and wear funny hats and call each other names like cardinals and all of this. And popes, is that what they ended up doing? No, go to the book of Acts. Go to the book of Acts. And let's see what they began to do. Jared's message was entitled, The Five Commandments of Evangelism. And today, uh, this next lesson is called Going and Making Disciples. And we're just going to help you do that. Now go to Acts chapter 1 and go to verse 9. It says, After he said this, he went and was taken up and went before their eyes. So he had went to heaven. But look at what he did before he went to heaven. He told them one more time, look at verse 7, Acts chapter 1, verse 7. Everybody use your Bibles, take your time. We want you to be familiar with this. He said to them, it is not for you to know the days and times of the fathers, except by his own authority, talking about when he would come, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on, on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What is the first place he said you would be my witnesses? Amen. What's the next place he said? Judea. What's the next place? And then what's the next place? And the ends of the earth. See, isn't that amazing that he gives them these commands? These are the commands that Jesus gives them so that they would go out and be disciples. Now, go to the book of Acts chapter 2. Go to the book of Acts chapter 2, and let's see what happens when the Holy Spirit comes on them. They begin to speak in tongues as we have done here, and they're in church, and they're praying. But now look as they go on, uh, just go through this passage right here, starting in verse 1, going past verse 6. Let's keep going. This is where they're in church. Now they're coming out. Uh, can I get the thing up here as well? That will help me. Now, as you're seeing this, they go from the church to the streets. Look in verse 5 of chapter 1 of Acts. Chapter 1 of Acts, verse 5. Now it says, Now they were staying, thank you, in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews and every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, bewilderment, if I can say that word, bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in their own language. So here they were in a church, and the house was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now they begin to go out to the city of Jerusalem, and they start preaching, and all of these different nations start hearing them preach in their language. This was a supernatural act of God that was happening while they were speaking in tongues. Now look at Peter stood up with the eleven, not by himself, raised his voice, and began to preach. What city are they in here in this passage? Did Jesus tell them to preach in Jerusalem? He did. You see, the disciples began to keep the commands of Jesus. He preaches this entire sermon, and he ends by saying to them these words, which you can use very simply to the people you're preaching to. We'll get to the details, which is repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. You will receive the Holy Spirit as well. 
Now, it says after that time they were preaching, they began to devote themselves to church and doing all those things. And it says that they went out and preached again, Peter and John in Acts chapter 3. You know, the book of Acts, by the way, is the Acts of the Apostles. Everybody say Acts. So it's showing you how they're doing this. So they preach in Jerusalem again. And as you begin to go through the book of Acts, you'll start to see that they then eventually make their way to Judea. They eventually make their way to the following cities that Jesus told them to do. And by the end of the book of Acts, you see that they are reaching the uttermost parts of the world. This is the story of the disciples making disciples as they went throughout the entire known world. Everybody say amen. So I want to help you to do that. We as a church want to take the time to teach you how to make disciples. Okay, so let me just give you a few simple things to think about. Number one, you have to show up. Everybody say show up. Okay, so that's what you had to do today. You had to get here. You had to come. You're here now. Number two, you got to get prepared. Can I give you that mic? Uh, one just to throw it away for me, please. Be gone, bad marker. Be prepared. As a matter of fact, would you make a slide and put these up as I'm doing it, please? Show up. Be prepared. Now, that's what we're doing right now. We're going to teach you how to do that. Some of the preparation that you need is you need a Bible, you need your notepad, and you need a flyer, and then you need a partner, and then you need a location to be at, and then you need a gospel message to share. We're going to go through these with you. Take your time. If you can't read my writing, Andrew in the back is going to make it as a slide so you can see it. Your Bible is what you're going to be sharing the message of Jesus with, okay? We're not using cat in the hat. We're not making it up as we go along. Like if somebody asks us a question, be like, oh, let me just think about that. I'll, oh, I don't know. I'll just think, give you an answer of what I think. No. Uh, notepad is to write down people's names and numbers because we want you to stay in touch with them. How many think that would be pretty cool for you to call up somebody after you meet them today and go out for coffee or hang out or, you know, bring them over to your house? As you do these kinds of things, you'll do them on your own wherever you go. Can I tell you about a testimony of me witnessing in Aldi's? And by the way, I love Aldi's. I'm not ashamed to say it. Is that okay? Because some people are like, oh, I'm a, only a jewel kind of person. Well, I'm an Aldi kind of person, okay? I love me some Aldi's. Adam, as you guys get married and start having kids, you guys might start to like Aldi's, believe it or not. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> uh, so I'm in all these, and I'm getting all my goodies ready for a barbecue that we're having. And I have to say the culture of this man, because it makes a difference after all the racism going on in our country, okay? So I want to show you that love transcends all races and cultures. He was African-American, so I'm a gringo. He's African-American. And I got a grocery cart full of stuff, and I'm asking him for something, and we're talking about, you know, because he's standing by the bread, and I'm like, hey, have you seen this bread? And we're talking. And then he looks at all the uh, groceries that we had. And by the way, fathers, uh, fathers, you want to be here tomorrow because we did this at Target. We filled up a whole grocery uh, cart of things we're giving you tomorrow. You want to be there. So you want to make sure you bring your fathers as well. Everybody bring your father here tomorrow. He will not be disappointed with the gift. As a matter of fact, when we were getting it, people were like, oh my goodness, you're giving that away? And I'm like, yes, we're giving that away to our fathers. Yes, they're awesome. So anyways, I had this huge cart of food. It was abnormally big. And he, we're talking. I said, well, I'm having a barbecue. And then he said, oh, that's cool. And you know what I said? Why don't you come over? 
You see, I didn't know this person from anybody, but I instantly said, come on over. And then I took his name and number, and I said, let me text you tomorrow. If you're still up for it, I'll give you my address. Do you know that him and I have already met together three times? And the last time that we met together was yesterday or two days ago, Thursday, and we did a prayer walk around my neighborhood, and I found out all these interesting things about his life that, that God had totally brought us together so I could encourage him. Isn't that awesome? Let's give it up for Jesus. Amen? Right there. Can I tell you another story? Can I tell you one more? So these shirts are an opportunity to witness. You can't count this only as your witness, but it's an opportunity to witness. So Nancy and I are there by uh, Gilbert's Park, right by our neighborhood, and uh, Gilbert's Farm, rather, during the Halloween season. What is it? Gobert's, not Gilbert, Gobert, thank you. And I'm wearing this short shirt. A person says, hey, I like your shirt. I begin to talk to them. I begin to share my faith. And you know who that was? That was Marcel and Laura Varchuk, who have now gotten married in the church, who come with their daughter, Gracie, and have been coming for over six months. Amen? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So you can do this if you're prepared everywhere you go. If you're prepared everywhere you go, you can make a difference. Just, it, just be prepared. So you always got to have your Bible on you. Now, I used to have one of those big old thick Bibles, and I would travel with it everywhere I went, in the grocery store, everywhere I went. I have my Bible, fast food, going to get McDonald's. But now we have the advantage of having the phone on us. Always have a good Bible app. Have your phone. Have something to write down people's names and number with. After you talk, hey, can I get your information? Or just pull out your phone and be real cool and just be like, hey, can I get you on my Facebook? Let me just add you. It's always best guys with guys, girls with girls. Otherwise, that's called stalking, okay? Everybody say stalking is a bad thing, okay? Okay, then the flyer. Let's get them all passed out, Pastor Jared. We have just really interesting, simple flyers that will keep people's attentions if you know how to use them. If you always keep them in your backpack or in your back pocket when you're around town, you're going to be good at it. So think of today as a preparation for you getting prepared to be an evangelist everywhere you go. And an evangelist is simply somebody who proclaims the gospel. And everybody can do that. Now, I'm so happy that you guys have come here, but we have somebody that came three hours, over 150 miles, just to be with us today. And I think we should be happy about Jim Wyrosick from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Thank you, Dad. Now, my dad, he carries these with him everywhere he goes. He gives them to everybody. And so that doesn't mean you have to be a pastor. You don't have to be somebody fancy-dancy. Just keep them around and hand them out to people. And these are the kinds of information we want to leave in everybody's hands. So as you're getting these, let's get some people to help him so it doesn't take two hours. Can we get uh, Adam to help him and Josh? Why don't we get these flyers out? While you're getting these flyers, it simply tells the time of our church and website on the front. We all know that. It's 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. now with our two services. But what's awesome about it is on the back, it simply teaches you how to preach the gospel. The way we like to preach the gospel is, have you been born again? I know Elevate has flyers and we have different tracks around the church, but I want everybody to get familiar with this, okay? Quickly, gentlemen, I need one up here as well. Andrew, take a picture of one and put it up there um, so that we can all see it. Send it to yourself via Facebook. Thank you. We're going to have one in front of you and up on the screen. Everybody say, have you been born again? This is what Jared was explaining when he was talking about there's nothing more important than this. This is what we're really trying to explain to people. We can get caught up in arguing about sins with people, but I love to talk to people about have you been born again because that makes it real clear to what we're doing. Christianity is not behavior modification. 
It's Christianity because Christ is in it. Christ is transforming lives. Instead of me arguing about abortion with somebody or homosexuality, I want them to come meet Jesus because I know if they meet Jesus, all of that will make sense. Okay? Now, if they think they've already met Jesus and they use those things as an excuse, that's when I get into sinology and all the different sins that they are probably committing that they don't even know they're committing. You know? But what I love to start with is, hey, man, have you been born again? Not have, you sh- not have you shook the pastor's hand, not have you gone to Father Tom's communion ch- service at St. Mary's Church of, of, of Our Holy Mother of uh, Guadalupe, whatever. It's, you know, come on. It, it's like, have you been born again? And that's not a good question. And if they don't know what it is, you should tell them what it is. Well, number one says what it means. What does it mean to be born again, Bertha? Receive new spiritual life from God, be born of the Spirit. Awesome. You are so amazing. Where did you come up with that theological answer? Did you go to Bible college? I want to see if somebody else knows the answer to that. Monique, what does it mean to be born again? Receive a new spiritual life from God and be born of the Spirit. Wow, that's pretty deep. Carol, do you know what it means to be born again? (laughs) No, look, yeah. Oh, to receive a new spiritual life from God, born of the Spirit. Wonderful. Wow, everybody's saying the same answer. It's so amazing. Paul, my guy right here. Paul, you haven't been to Bible college, have you? But do you know what it means to be born again? Could you, could you read us? Read that and tell us. Uh, it means to receive a new spiritual life from God. Awesome. You see how simple that is? You see how simple that is? You all know the answer. You can teach that to somebody. You have to be able to teach that. Now, how many of you have been born again? You have received a new spiritual life from God, born of the Spirit. Okay, you know what I would add then? I would add your testimony. So you ask them, have you been born again Most of the time they're going to say, I don't know what that is, or they're going to say, yeah, I think so, I got baptized. And then you're going to say back to them, no, that's not really what it means. Jesus said in John 3, 3, you can read the scripture, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Say, hey, we're we're talking about this, and can I tell you what it is? And then you tell them, you go, it means to receive a new spiritual life from God, born of the Spirit. Now, if you've been really savvy and cool at this, Adam, you know what you can do? You can have them read it. You got a flyer in your hand. They got a flyer. They say, well, I don't really know what it means. Well, why don't you look at number one and see what it says? And, yeah, it was a little awkward, right, a little awkward. People didn't know where to read. You know, Bertha was the first one. She was a little nervous. Where what is the my phone's ringing, born of the Spirit. I know, but it all made you more nervous, and people get nervous. But that's okay. It's okay to get nervous. Just, just shake off the nervousness and just have them read it. Just read it. Take your time. Have them read the Scripture. Have them read the point. Have them read number one. Have them read the Scripture. We're going to have it put up here in just a second so you can see it. But just keep going through this point one right here until they get it. Tell your testimony, talk about how you came to know Jesus. Three parts of every testimony is who I was before I met Jesus, 
how I met Jesus and who I am since I've met Jesus or who I was before I was born again, how I was born again, and now that I've been born again, my life's been changed. Number two, how can I be born again? So you talk to them. Would you like to be born again? Would you like to? Now that you know what it is, would you like to? Okay? And they may say, well, I don't know how to be born again. Get ready. Because I think you can tell them how can I be born again? <laughs> By believing in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Awesome. Rosa, hermano Rosa, with the fuego de Dios. Por favor, please tell us how to be born again. By believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. And when you say it, would you say it in Espanol, por favor? En creer en Jesucristo, en su muerte, su resurrección. Amen. Give it up for Jesus. Sarah from the Philippines. Hallelujah. How can somebody be born again? Uh, by believing in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Just, and just in case we meet somebody from the Philippines, can you say it in Tagalog? Amen. Let's give it up for Sarah. Now, can you say it in soul, brother? Say it in soul. Come on. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Oh, man. I'm so sorry. Oh, I love you. All cultures, all races, all languages, it doesn't matter. You could, he could say it back to me, well, say it in white boy. And I'd be like, well, like, for sure, by believing in Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection, at the gospel, like, that's how you're born again for sure. You know, like, for realsies. Okay. So we know what we're doing, right? And then number three, we're getting prepared. What is a proof that I've been born again? Now, this is that part where I really like to explain to people if they don't think that uh, they need to be born again, like, oh, no, I'm okay, or, uh, you know, re whether or not they are born again. Sometimes they say, well, I've already did that. Yeah, I go to this church down the road. I like to tell them, well, here's the deal. Like, you need to be born again to get to heaven. And if you're not born again, you're still living in sin. And if you think that's okay, that's a problem, right? So I love to show both people the kind of hypocritical Christian who thinks, oh, I've already did that, and the new Christian, what is their evidence of it? It's the same thing. What's the proof that I've been born again? What's that proof, Brian? Say it in white boy. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you no longer continue in sin. Woo, come on. What's the proof, Ashley, that someone's been born of God? You no longer continue in sin. Isn't that amazing? Let's get it from Sammy. What's the proof somebody's been born again? You no longer continued in sin. Amen. Can we give it up for all of our helpers today? Amen. You no longer continue in sin. Break God's commandments. You see, this is the preparation of the gospel that we're giving you so you can preach it effectively. This is it. Here it is. What does it mean to be born again? How can I be born again? And what is the proof that I've been born again? Does anybody have any questions at this point? Don't be embarrassed. Don't be shy. 
Any questions? Yes, Natalie. Exactly. We would like to partner you with more experienced leaders that if you can't answer that question, they can. And if that leader can't, then it's simply, can I get back to you later? But let's continue on with our conversation. And that's a great question because sometimes people want to get diverted into other conversations about politics and who's, uh, whose wife was Cain. You know, if God uh, you know, only created Adam and Eve and then it was Cain and Abel and then Cain killed Abel, who did Cain marry to have kids, right? These are silly questions, uh, you know, and these are things that people want to get you off on. And if you don't know the answer, you could just simply say, hey, I don't know the answer to that. But let's get back to you being born again. That's what I came out to talk about. I didn't come to talk about these other things. Or maybe somebody wants to say, well, what about evolution? What about the dinosaurs? And you could say, look, there's websites that are devoted to that. I'm sure if you gave me your number or, or email my pastors, one of our leaders will give you tons of information on that. But right now, we just want to make sure you understand this. Okay, so that's a good point. And leaders do that as well because otherwise you'll be so invested in one conversation, you'll be letting all these people pass you by while you're arguing with this one person. And sometimes I think the devil can use that for distraction. You know, find the person that's hungry, that's willing to sit there and discuss. Even with myself who loves to answer questions, I like to make sure that the conversation's going somewhere, especially with the limited time that we have. Thank you, Natalie. That was a great question. Any other questions? Please don't be shy. Any other questions? Yes. Um, i got to say your name first. Juan. That is right. What is the proof? Oh, you're being funny. Look at you. Juan. Juan. <laughs> you, I know. We pray for your, for your, for your peace and patience. Amen. Okay. Moving on to real questions without those trying to entertain the class. Did you want to rebut him in a funny way? One is the proof what? Okay. For me or for him? Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Any other questions? I want to take this a bit more serious. Yes, Ashley. You may say a comment. Yes. Yes. That's very good. So if you're saved, why don't you come and join us, right? And then if they say, you know, I'm not really up for that, here's our information. Come and check us out online. And a real easy way to get to our evangelism page is chicagoforjesus.net. Would you just go to a browser and type that in so they can watch you do it? chicagoforjesus.net will take Christians directly to our website page that's devoted to what we're doing today, outreaches. So, yeah, show them on a browser. Make it look really cool so we can see how you will actually type it in. Let's watch them type it in there. Um, uh, make the screen a little bit. Yeah, there you go. Chicago. There we go. Chicago for Jesus dot net. Boom. Chicago for Jesus comes up. Isn't that cool? Amen. So there you go, and that will help them get in touch with us. If someone doesn't understand what sin is, a great passage to bring them to is Galatians 5:21. Everybody go there quickly. Galatians chapter 5, verse 21. 
This is a great passage to help people who may be dealing with hypocrisy, not thinking that they have to change to be a Christian, or not truly living out that Christian life. Acts, I mean, uh, Galatians 5, 19, rather, go to chapter 5, but verse 19, it says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, etc., etc. And so you get a list of sins there. Okay, so let's just go through this again quickly. Uh, Andrew, please put up the Have You Been Born Again a slide. This is how it's going to look. We are going to be having tents set up when we're out there. There's going to be a place where the food's being given out, things for the children, a prayer tent, and, there, and then sporadically we're going to be doing uh, praise and worship, some skits and drama, and then a live presentation, like a little mini church service. Whenever we're not doing all of those things, we're one-on-one witnessing. Okay? Whenever we're not doing a big presentation and clapping our hands, we're witnessing one-on-one. And here's what we're doing. We're basically stopping and asking people, hey, do you got a second to talk about Jesus? I'm from Metro Praise International. You got time to talk about Jesus with me? Hey, we're with Chicago for Jesus. You want to talk about Jesus? Hey, how are you doing? You want to talk about Jesus? You see a theme there? Do you want to talk about Jesus? Now, you may be a little bit more sl- uh, sly or, or, or uh, suave than that. You can be like, hey, I like your shirt. What are you doing? Hey, is that an elote you got there? Oh, how's that? Are those con condules? Do you want to talk about Jesus? You know what I'm saying? Like you could do that. Or you could just be like, hey, you want to talk about Jesus? Because it will save you time and effort. So depending on how you want to be, you know, uh, some of you are, are going to be holding signs that say want prayer. And then in the prayer tent, we're going to say, before we pray for you, you want to talk about Jesus? Because we want to make sure you know Jesus because we just don't want to pray to Jesus that you don't know who, uh, you know, if you don't know him because we want you to know him. So if you're working in the prayer tent, just don't say, hey, what's your prayer request? Let me pray for you. Say, do you want to talk about Jesus before I pray for you? And then we'll pray for it all together. Because how many know that's the most important thing is getting them to know Jesus. Amen? Okay. So here it is real quick. Have you been born again? John 3, 3. Jesus replied, very, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. What does it mean to be born again? To receive a new spiritual life from God, born of the Spirit. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So what does it mean to be born again? By believing in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel. Number three, what is the proof that I've been born again? You no longer live in sin, continue to break God's commands. You need help with that? I'll take you to Galatians 5.19. 1 John 3, 9 says, no one who's born of God will continue in sin. So if they say back to you, well, have you ever sinned? You say, as a Christian, I don't continue in sin. I truly repent, and I turn away from sin. You, do you do that as a Christian? Amen. If you uh, said, so no one who's born of God will continue in sin because God remains, seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they've been born of God. And then you simply ask, would you like to pray to be born again? When you do that, you can ask them to repeat a prayer with you. You can say something like this, repeat after me. Let's all repeat together. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person. I believe you died for me, was buried, and rose again on the third day. I accept your new life. In Jesus' name, amen. So you can lead them in a prayer or help them to pray. Say, would you like to pray on your own? Do you feel comfortable praying? And then you could just say, why don't you pray, and I'll pray after you. So they'll go like, "Uh, Jesus, you know, I just met these people out here, and I know I haven't been living right, but I want to, so please forgive me of all the stuff I've done and bless my family. And then you'll go like, that's awesome. Now let me pray for you. Lord, I pray you bless them, bless their family, help them to live for you. Afterwards, you can say, hey, 
Here's our website. Come to our church on Sunday. It gives you directions. We also have all of our books and sermons online for free. And we have a free daily devotional that you can look at every day or sign up for on email to be encouraged to live for Jesus. And it says all that right there. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. And then if they say, oh, I want one of your shirts, because a lot of people want to talk about want one of the shirts, go back to the chicagoforjesus.net place. We're not selling our shirts out there. How many think that's pretty cool we're not doing that? Because we're not carnies. We didn't come out there to exchange money with people. I didn't come out there to say, hey, I, I, you know, they only have a 20, but can you break it for me? No. If you want a shirt, this is what you tell them to do. Go to chicagoforjesus.net. Everybody say chicagoforjesus.net. And order you one. That's that place right here. It's the same page, chicagoforjesus.net. They can order any shirt they want, or they can come to church on Sunday. It's that simple. Last week, uh, excuse me, last year, it got really complicated because a lot of you guys were getting people coming up to you about that, and, and it got confusing and all that. Don't let it get confusing. It's just real simple. Go to chicagoforjesus.net and order you one. Or if they just go to Metro Praise, you say, if you just forget, if you forget chicagoforjesus.net, just look at your flyer and tell them to go to our website, metropraise.org, and right on the home page, it has a place for them to buy shirts right down here. It should have, but no, no, it doesn't. So just tell them to go to chicagoforjesus.net because otherwise they have to go here to store. Chicagoforjesus.net is easier. Okay, be prepared. This is number one. You got to show up. Number two, you got to be prepared. Let's go to those notes, sir. You got your Bible. You got your notes. You got your flyer. You're going to get a partner. We're going to assign you to different places, okay? Prayer tent, food tent, children's tent, skit drama team, right? And everybody's going to have partners in there because whenever you're not doing all that, you got to pray and lead people to Jesus. So you're going to get a partner. That partner and you are going to be at a location, and then you got to preach the gospel. You all ready for that? Okay. This is where we're at today. We are going to the corner of California and North, and this is what we're going to be doing out there, the things that I just described. If you could go to the notes. Show up, be prepared. Number three, number three is pray. I want you to have an attitude of prayer the entire time you're out there. Let God use you to pray when you're there. Do you know that some churches, they just go out and pray over neighborhoods? Now, I think that's cool, but I'd rather preach and pray. Amen? It's like the same thing again. You want to go pray over a neighborhood or go preach in a neighborhood? How about both? I want to preach and pray in a neighborhood. So instead of guys, kids, guys, look at me. All my guys, look at me. Instead of looking at uh, hot senoritas and little tight shorts walking around, pray. And ladies, instead of what would ladies stereotypically be doing? Instead of complaining about how hot you are, <laughs> oh, my gosh, it's so hot out here. I got some water. My stereotypes are terrible, I know. Pray for me. Pray for me and my stereotypes. But you know that will be the first thing if I ever heard anything out of Nancy, the struggle. It's so hot out here. It's so hot. Okay. So, women... Before you start complaining about the heat, and guys, before you start getting distracted, we all pray. Pray while you're serving the food, even just to yourself while you're giving people food. You know, just, Lord, bless this family, bless this couple, bless these children as you're painting their face. Lord, I don't know what they're going through, but I pray you bless them. you got a smile on your face. Lord, I pray you bless them. I pray this young child grows up in the nurturing atmosphere of a godly home. When you're witnessing and someone else is talking and you're not talking, look at the person and just pray. Lord, I pray that they open up their heart, that they hear what's being said to them. 
So you don't wander off like, well, you got your partner talking right here. Don't wander and be like, oh, what's going on? Oh, I like to go over there when I'm done and buy some of that stuff. No. Or like, oh, I wonder who I know over here. No, no, no. Look right at that person and in your heart, pray for them. Just, Lord, I ask that you open their heart, you change their life, that you do something in them. Okay? And then pray for people. Just can I pray for you? No matter how this whole gospel presentation went, say, can I pray for you? Can I, can I just pray for you right now before you go, however it went? They might have been a Satanist. Okay, can I still pray for you before you go? You know? And a lot of times we ask you to pray with your eyes open so that you're safe on the streets. Okay? So make sure that if you're going to close your eyes that you feel safe or at least your partner is around you, lady, so you don't get groped or somebody try to take your purse. And I know that doesn't happen a lot at Boricua Fest, but sadly it happens when we go other places like uh, Mardi Gras. If, if, if a guy who's drunk sees a girl like this praying, he'll sometimes come and hit her butt or try to touch her or, or try to give her a necklace to take off her shirt. I know it's not that bad out here. But just to make sure, ladies, if you're going to close your eyes and get into that kind of precious moments prayer pose, just make sure that you're in a safe place and that you are uh, being aware that you are on the streets of a major city, uh, Chicago, okay? So be smart. Don't leave your street smarts in the church. Bring them with you, okay? Show up, be prepared, pray, and let me just say this last thing right here. Have an awesome attitude. Have an awesome attitude because when you are out there and you get tired and you don't want to be out there anymore, it, it, you know, and you start to complain, whatever, it shows. And people don't want to be around that. People don't want to be around Christians who are having less fun than them, you know. So it's like if you're miserable and I'm having fun, why do I want to stop and listen to you? Okay, so I want you to have a good attitude. I want you to smile. I want you to serve them. I want you to be more happy than the people out there selling T-Mobile or what's that, uh, that w cricket phone. Because you know there's going to be salespeople out there, hey, you want a cricket phone, you know, because they're going to have their best salespeople out there. I want you to be more excited about Jesus than they are about their cricket phones. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. So this is what I would like for us to do quickly before we get into the actual setting you up in positions and teams. This is what I would like to do. I would like those who have never gone street witnessing to partner up with those who have gone. And then I want you, if you have not gone, to ask any questions to the more experienced person and then pray for each other. Okay? Now, I know there's not enough of us to all have somebody that's never gone before. So those of you who both have gone are going to be partnered up here in just a minute. And it's not going to be your street group partners. We're going to get that in a minute. I just want to do this for the sake of prayer and for you to feel totally prepared, totally secure. This is your chance to ask a question. Maybe you were a little embarrassed about before. You get what I'm saying? I want everybody to do this. Okay? So let me just... Put some of you on the spot. Don't be embarrassed. But if you have not street witnessed before, would you please stand up so I know who you are? Come on, stand up. Everybody's done it for the first time. There's always been a first for all of us. Amen? I've been doing this 20 years, and there was a first for me. So nothing to be embarrassed about. Please keep standing. Okay? Keep standing. Jared, I would like you to come on over here, please. Jared, come on over here with Sister Rosa. Quickly, put a little pep in that step, sir. Thank you. A little bit more over to the corner. 
Okay? And I would like now Sam and Kel. Is it Kel or Kelly? Okay, thank you. Sorry. And your sister, who I'm just getting to know, and your name is Rebecca. Let's give it up for Kelly and Rebecca. Okay, Sammy, Kelly, Rebecca, go in this group here. And you guys can just start talking and then just start praying and make sure they feel comfortable. Okay, keep standing, keep standing. Pastor Berto, I would like you to come on over here. Brian, would you move this for him, this board? Thank you. Thank you for your help in the back as well, Andrew. Pastor Berto and my wife, Nancy, come stand over here. You two young ladies, come stand with them. And let's have Paul come over there with them. Let's give it up for them. Amen. Okay. Ishmael, would you stand up back there over by the fan, please? Um, Pilster, would you go back there with uh, Ishmael? And uh, Adam, because I don't want to separate you from your honey bunny, would you go back there with her too? Because I know you guys are so sensitive to being apart. It's that, it's that new love. Amen. I'm just teasing. Half teasing. My wife and I had a tremendous anniversary. I love my wife more today than I ever did before. Amen. We had a tremendous anniversary yesterday. Thank you for following us on the Facebook journey, those who did. And there's a highlight video coming too. It will live on for the next week or so. Sarah, would you join them? Billy and my friend, I know I know your name. You've told me. What is it? Shimon. 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 It's like what Michael Jackson used to say. Shimon. Isn't that what Michael Jackson would say? Yes, help me. I need one person helping me. Shimon and Billy, would you go back there as well? Oh, Shimon. <laughs> Shimon, thank you. And I'm assuming you're related to Destiny. That's your brother. Your little brother. Okay. But you still love little brother? Okay, you got to love little brother, right? Because he protects you. One day he's going to be stronger. You protect him still? Okay. I'm telling Bethany and Hannah, you better treat, Lu treat Lucas nice because he's going to get bigger. He's going to help you one day on the playground. So don't beat him up too bad right now. Okay. The rest of you, this is what I want you to do. Get in groups of three to five and make sure you're with somebody that is feeling confident about evangelism. So Ashley and Tina and um, uh, uh, Elliot, Elliot, and join these girls over here and like this row right here and you guys uh, uh, Jonathan and you ladies go over there in that row for uh, in that section there you go uh, Lawrence come stand here in the front you can move this up to the platform Lawrence Monique Adam come here uh, let's get this whole row right here you guys this whole row this whole row to come join them 